Um, and you'll also, you can't go very far without hearing someone quote him as saying uh, something like, I never would have been president if it hadn't been for my time in North Dakota. They, they're very proud of that connection there. And again, I think they do a good job of not letting it sort of overtake the natural beauty of the area, but sort of integrating it and, and his relationship to the area uh, into the park in a way that, that works really well. Hi, everyone. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Jeremy. And we are the authors of Where Should We Camp Next? And Where Should We Camp Next? National Parks. This season, we are back with a brand new RV and brand new adventures. Join us now as we cover the best campgrounds, the best rigs, the best food, and the best gear to bring with you when you go. So pull up a chair and join us around the digital campfire. This is the RV Atlas. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the RV Atlas. Today, we are thrilled to have back on the show Gretchen Holcomb from Boxy Colonial on the Road, and she is going to be taking us to Theodore Roosevelt National Park in North Dakota. And if you're wondering if we think you should go to Theodore Roosevelt National Park, if you should add it to your national park bucket list, the answer is a resounding yes. Now, Gretchen's episode is going to focus on a review of the Medora Campground. We'll talk a little bit about some of the other options for camping around there because there are a bunch. And then she's going to take us into Theodore Roosevelt National Park and then tell us about some kind of fun and wacky and zany things that you can do in town during your visit. This is a really terrific episode if you've ever dreamed about going to Theodore Roosevelt National Park. Or if you're heading there this summer, you're going to want to make sure you listen to this one. She really covers the whole area in great detail. She was only there for two or three days, but they really packed a lot in. And um, the roadmap that she puts together for her trip is probably one that you might want to follow for your own trip to Theodore Roosevelt National Park. So we're going to be back in a second and welcome Gretchen onto the show. But before we do so, we have a sponsored message from our friends at Camco. Camco is one of our favorite companies in the outdoor recreation industry. For more than 50 years, they have remained a trusted North Carolina-based manufacturer specializing in innovative products for the RV, marine, outdoor living, and outdoor recreation markets. You may know them best by their American-made Rhino sewer hoses, Taste Pure water filters, EvoFlex drinking water hoses, and TST toilet chemicals, but their lineup of products doesn't end there. Camco continues to deliver products that bridge the gap between you and your next adventure. From portable grills and campfires to ease lift hitches and power grip electrical adapters, they seem to be doing it all. There's a saying that if you own an RV, you are sure to own a Camco product or two, and it's true. This spring, we are stocking up our brand new RV with go-to Camco products like their collapsible laundry basket and their life is better at the campsite dishes and mugs. Head on over to CampcoOutdoors.com to check out all of the cool stuff that Camco makes and get 10% off your entire order with our discount code RVATLAS10. That's CampcoOutdoors.com and use discount code RVATLAS10 for 10% off your entire order today. Hello, Gretchen Holcomb from Boxy Colonial and Boxy Colonial on the Road. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. It's been too long. Uh, how's the family doing? Uh, everybody's doing well. We've got um, two kids in college now, so we're down to just just two at home. So that's a little weird, but you know, all good. And we've got a, an RV spring break around the corner at some point soon, hopefully. 
Yeah, we're headed up to see um, my 19-year-old is in college in Nashville, so we're going to go see him and then do a little bit of the Natchez Trace and uh, Birmingham, just kind of a fairly close-to-home trip because we're just north of Atlanta. But And we have some accomplished musicians in the family, correct? Uh, he, Milo, is in his first year at the music school at Vanderbilt for clarinet performance. So yeah, he did not get that from me, but he is our most musical one, yes. But they all play. My husband played piano and saxophone in high school, so it's it's all his genes, but yeah. I'll never forget a photo, because for a while we had the same toy hauler, and like one of the reasons you had a toy hauler, correct me if I'm wrong, is like the kids like brought their instruments along and like practiced. Like I remember a photo of, of one of your children yeah. like playing an instrument in the back of the toy hauler. We had a full-size keyboard that we brought with us in the toy hauler. We... I think we will we will not be bringing it this summer, but um, but we'll we'll have a French horn with us and and Milo's clarinet. So yeah, we'll we'll still have a pretty pretty full band in there. Awesome. All right. So today you're taking us to North Dakota, and you're taking us to Theodore Roosevelt National Park. In the context here, is you're going to give us a review of the Medora Campground. We'll mention some of the other options for anyone who's planning a trip to Theodore Roosevelt. And then you're going to take us into the park and, and give us, you know, talk about some of the things you did and some of the, you know, the, the key highlights that you're going to want to do if you go to Theodore Roosevelt National Park. And obviously, we're carrying on our National Parks theme on the podcast this season. We're not doing every episode on National Park content, but we're doing a lot of episodes on National Park content to celebrate the release of Where Should We Camp Next National Parks. So, Gretchen, not everybody gets to Theodore Roosevelt National Park. Uh, even really well-traveled people. So can you just give us sort of an overview of, of Theodore Roosevelt and Medora and the area? Sure. So it's um, sort of on the west, very much on the western side of North Dakota, kind of in the middle of the state. Um, it's right on, what it does have going for it as far as accessibility is it's right on, literally right on Interstate 94. So I think a lot of people hit it uh, if they're road tripping to Glacier. It's, I mean, it's almost 600 miles from Glacier, but if you're coming from the East Coast and going out there, you're going to go right by it. So I think that's the context that a lot of people hit it on. Um, but, um, you know, it kind of seems like, a, like a, a smaller, cozier park. It doesn't seem as grand as some of the ones farther west. And then um, it's right north of, South Dakota and South Dakota in the Black Hills area just has so much going on that I think it does get passed over in favor of some kind of bigger hits of the national park world a lot of times. Unjustly passed over? I mean, should this be rising up on our, our bucket lists? Is that what we're in for today? You telling us that everybody get thee to Theodore Roosevelt National Park? I think so. Um, I was a little worried because we did do this on our way back from Glacier. Um, because we were passing right by it. Um, and I was a little nervous that it would just pale in comparison and we would be, it would be a little bit of a letdown. Um, it's not like Glacier. It's not, it doesn't have the grandeur and the majesty, but we found it just really charming, both the park and the town. We had really good wildlife viewing there, like better than Glacier. Cause in, um, and Glacier is, you know, overwhelming and kind of hard to plan. And Theodore Roosevelt is easy. So it was kind of actually a nice contrast to that. Um, I don't know. I mean, the tricky thing is it is hard to get to if you're not, if it doesn't happen to be on your route. Um, so I don't know that I would advise people to, you know, fly in and go there for a week because it's just not that kind of park. But, um, if you can 
make an effort to get there as part of a bigger road trip. Um, or if you happen to be fairly close by and can do, you know, a long weekend or something, which would seem to be the other people who were in the area, there did seem to be a lot of people from the region who would come for their summer vacation, uh, then, you know, it's definitely worth seeing. You're making me think that um, out of all the people that go to Theodore Roosevelt National Park, probably a, dispor- a disproportionate number are RV owners or, or, or people who are road tripping, who are going somewhere else. And hitting it on the way, because it doesn't seem to be that type of destination where people are flying into wherever you fly into and saying, let's do our week's vacation at Theodore Roosevelt National Park. Um, Yeah, but I think that's a great tip. You know, if you can make it part of a trip uh, to somewhere like Glacier or somehow tie it into your Yellowstone uh, trip, I'm, I'm not great at geography, of course, but you could do it that way, go across North Dakota. It seems really, really uh, well worth doing. One of my best friends in Montana, has spent 10 years telling me that you will see better wildlife at Theodore Roosevelt National Park and at Badlands National Park than you will at Yellowstone and at Glacier. And I sort of went for years, I was like, all right, whatever, you know. But then when we did our big trip to Badlands and then to Yellowstone, um, there were two separate trips, actually, we saw way more wildlife um, in the Badlands. So I think that if you're into wildlife, there's another reason to go to Theodore Roosevelt. Yeah, for sure. We saw tons of bison. Um, we saw, pr- I'm going to forget some things, but pronghorn, wild horses, like a huge herd of wild horses. Although you definitely want to bring binoculars because some of these things were farther away. The bison, of course, are don't care that you're there and they're right up in your face, but um, hopefully not literally in your face. Keep your distance from the bison, everyone. But um, we saw pronghorn, oh, um, prairie dogs. There's several places where you can, they have prairie dog towns right by the road and you can stop and see the prairie dogs. So yeah, just lots and lots of wildlife. Pronghorn, pronghorn are like so beautiful too. Now this was yeah. part of a, a, you guys do like an epic RV trip every summer. I mean, frankly, yeah, you, you guys inspire to. me. I mean, you, you really do sort of a month long kind of RV trip, um, which I love. So what 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 was that whole loop though for you where you were that, in Theodore Roosevelt and then Glacier like what other places were you hitting? We called this one it was almost two months I think last summer and we called it mountains mountains and more mountains. So we um, headed out west and did Santa Fe for a week and then up into Durango uh, and then a lot of Montana. We we did not just Glacier but several other towns in Montana and uh, then out to Theodore Roosevelt and then we headed back. And you know, saw a few things on the way home, but those were the those were the big things. All right, awesome. At the end of the show, I'll ask you what you've got planned for for this summer. Let's stay focused now. So, where did you guys choose to stay for Theodore Roosevelt National Park? Um, give us an overview of the campground, and also, you know, like, why did you choose this campground? There are some other options. Yeah, so we stayed at Medora Campground, which not it's I guess it's sort of run by the city of Medora. Um, but the, I, I'm, I'm a little confused. The, like all of the tourist attractions are run by some kind of Medora foundation. And I'm not sure if there's really any separation between that and the actual city of Medora. So unclear if it's technically a public or private campground, but at any rate, it's, um, it's run by this Medora foundation that also does a lot of the tourist attractions in town. And it is I think it's right like a, in it's town. a nonprofit, I think that it is I think just so. I mean, I, I, the town of Medora, tourism. I think only has. Yeah, I think it only has like 100 full-time residents. So I think, you know, there's not that much difference between the city of Medora and these tourist attractions that go along with the park. So um, 
So yeah, we picked it mostly because it was just right in town. Um, you could literally walk to the visitor center of the national park or into the small downtown area to restaurants and all of that. So since this was a pretty short stay, we were there three nights. Um, that proximity to everything was kind of what we were prioritizing. Um, there are, there's quite a few campgrounds in the area. Cause like you said, I think this is a very, um, RV friendly destination and there are a lot of RVers there. Um, there are campgrounds in the national park in both the North and South unit, but of course you're not going to get hookups in those. Um, and they do fill up. They say that they, it fills up the one in the South unit fills up by afternoon every day of the summer. Uh, there's um, a state park that's only about three miles away. And it look, I, we didn't, we didn't drive by and look at it, but from the pictures on the internet, it looks like it has big sites and is really beautiful. And that one does have hookups. Um, so if you're looking to spread out a little more, then you might want to be farther out of town. It's just, you know, what your priority is. Um, because the, the main complaint you'll hear about Medora campground is that the sites are very tight and it's true. They are, you're just right next to your neighbor. Um, but they fill those sites up. So they actually added a few more site or a bunch more sites um, a couple of years ago, because I think every weekend in the season, they are completely full. So they, you know, they don't want people spread out. They want to fit more people in there because there's the demand for it. So again, it's just, we were fine. We weren't hanging out outside the camper. We were off seeing the park and everything. So it wasn't a big deal for us, but if that's going to bother you, then, you know, that's just something to keep in mind. Yeah, and inside the park, it's Cottonwood Campground and Juniper Campground, which is go to nps.gov and, and take a look if, you, if you're okay with dry camping. I mean, obviously, you guys want hookups, right? I mean, so when you're doing these trips, you always tend to find the private park outside the campground, right? We actually considered um, staying in the park. Juniper, I think, is the one at the north unit, and it's a good distance from the south unit. So we considered doing one night there. And I'm very glad we didn't in retrospect because um, it was very hot one of the times that we were there, one of the days that we were there, and it would have, we would not have done well with air conditioning. It was well into the 90s. So, you know, that's, don't think just because it's far north, you're not going to get um, that hot weather in summer because they definitely do have heat waves. And then that's Sully Creek State Park, which just like you yeah. said, some of the sites have hookups. So between those three places in Medora, where you stayed, I'm not saying that's all of the options, but that's probably certainly four of the more popular options. So take take us in in more detail into Medora Campground in terms of like what was good, any other shortcomings besides the smaller sites, which is great info. Um, was it a pretty campground? Was it a parking lot? Tell us a bit more. Sure. So yeah, no, it's very pretty. You've got views in you know several different directions of um, those North Dakota Badlands. Which if you've been if you're familiar with the South Dakota Badlands, it's a very similar landscape. Although my son said, yeah, it was just like the Badlands in South Dakota, except green. So there is that. It's um, a little more lush landscape. But you've got views of that from the campground. Um, so that was really pretty. They say on the website that there is access to the Little Missouri River, where I guess you can do. Um, I'm not sure what you can do there. I don't know if it's big enough for um, like kayaking or anything, maybe fishing. Um, we didn't find that access, but apparently it is there. And, you know, the Little Missouri River does run right through there. So that makes sense. Um, there's there are some some nice public areas. There's a picnic pavilion, a playground, basketball court. There's a nice camp store, laundry room. The bathhouses were not our favorite. Um, 
I think my main issue with them is they were really far. We were in that newer area and the bath, there are two bathhouses, but they were both back in the older section. So it was a really long kind of hike. I mean, again, everybody has full hookups, but you know, we had five people in our trailer with one bathroom. So we do use the bathhouse, even though we have the hookup. Um, so the bathhouses were fine other than that, but they were not super well-placed, I guess, was my main issue with those. In your notes, you say there's 224 sites there. So two bathhouses does seem like not enough, <laughs> you know, just doing a basic math equation there. Yeah, I don't remember having issues like being able to like get in there, get a shower and all of that. Um, so I think the bathhouses themselves were pretty big. There were a lot of the showers were like a separate room, you know, like you went in, locked the door and you had your own shower, which I always liked. Um, so I guess there must have been enough of them because I don't remember ever having a wait or anything. Now, there's views, but um, but you did say the sites are small. So does the campground overall have a vibe of being pretty or does it feel more just functional, I guess, just getting people in and out? Yeah, I mean, again, the public areas are really nicely done. So there is some room to kind of hang out. But yeah, I mean, the the sites themselves, it's very just sort of red dirt everywhere, which is another thing people will complain about the dust there. And I'm like, well, I mean, it's dry. It's a dry part of the country. There's not that much they can do about it. But um, so, yeah, there's not like any real landscaping between the sites or anything. They're very basic, long, pl plenty long pull throughs, but um, pretty basic. There are some parts of the campground that are more with the back ends for smaller campers that are more up against the trees and some of the older parts of the campground. And especially if you have a smaller camper, you might be able to get um, some separation and some trees and shade and all of that. Like knocking a star off someone's review for there being dust seems somewhat unfair. You know, if you're going to North Dakota, you know, I, and like right. the number of people that go beach camping and complain about getting sand in their RVs, right? I mean, um, so any other amenities there worth mentioning? You know, you don't have like little kids, uh, but is there is there anything else there in terms of a pool, a playground, any of that stuff? Uh, they do have a playground. Uh, there's not a pool in the campground. The city pool is right there next, adjacent to the campground. Um, and you can use that. I think there's a small day use fee. I think that I saw, and of course, again, town is right there. You can walk there or bike there easily. And I think I saw that they have a new like pool with maybe like a lazy river, um, maybe new this year. I meant to look into it more, but I think, but again, there's lots of entertainment in town. There's putt-putt, there's mini golf, there's all that kind of thing. And it's right there. Yeah, I mean, that is cool option for the pool. Like if you're spending a morning in the park and then it's hot in the summer, it's nice that you, you know, you take, take your kids swimming next door. What, how much did it cost? And, and I'm sorry if you said it already, but that you had full hookups, right? We had full hookups. I think almost all of the sites are full hookups. And the range I looked for the 2023 season, um, it seems to be from around $40 a night for some of the smaller sites that, you know, limited to 20 feet or whatever, and then up to um, 60 or 70 for um, the bigger pull throughs. You know, reasonably priced, right? I'm from New Jersey. When I hear those prices, that automatically to me seems budget friendly. Of course, you're in North Dakota. It's quite far away. Um in a general sense, you know, we talk so much about the overcrowding in our parks and, and you're going to take us into Theodore Roosevelt in the next segment, just in terms of the campground and the town of Medora and the whole experience. Did it feel like it, it was less crowded than a lot of other the types of national parks you've been to? 
Is it under the radar yeah. in that sense that it's easy to park, easy to get in and out, easy to park at trailheads and all that stuff? Yeah, for sure. Definitely inside the park and then in the town. Again, I mean, we were there high season. We were there in July. I don't think we were there. I think we were midweek. Um, no, we, yeah, because we got there on a Sunday. Um, so maybe on the weekends, uh, things get more crowded because I do think you get people coming in for long weekends who live in the region. But um, no, I mean, there were people there. It didn't feel desolate. It didn't feel like we had the park to, to ourselves, but um, there was never anywhere where we had trouble parking or anything like that or felt like we were shoulder to shoulder with people on the trails. It, it definitely felt like there was room to spread out. Okay, awesome. Any other specific details about the Medora Campground you want to mention before we take a quick break and then go into Theodore Roosevelt National Park and then talk more about you know some things to do in Medora because there are some really unique uh, attractions in town while you're there. But anything else on the campground? Um, nope, I think, I think we've covered most of it. Okay, so let's get ready to head into Theodore Roosevelt National Park. We're here with Gretchen from Boxy Colonial on the Road. But before we dive into that next segment with some tips for visiting the park and some cool things to do in Medora, we have a sponsored message from our friends at Yogi Bear's Jellystone Park Camp Resorts. Our family has been staying at Jellystone Park locations for 12 years. There are more than 75 Jellystone Park locations across the United States and Canada, and each one is unique, but our kids love them all because each Jellystone Park location has fun attractions like pools, water slides, splash grounds, mini golf, laser tag, and jumping pillows. Plus, there are tons of activities all day and all night long, such as foam parties, dance parties, wagon rides tie-dye, and movie nights. They even have themed weekends like Chocolate Lovers Weekend, Christmas in July, and Halloween weekends in the fall. Of course, we can't forget the fun of hanging out with Yogi Bear, Boo Boo, and Cindy Bear. And at Jellystone Park, you can stay in your RV or enjoy one of their awesome glamping accommodations as many of their locations offer luxury cabins, yurts, covered wagons, and more. Make Jellystone Park a part of your family's vacation in 2023 because it's not just a campground. It's a Jellystone Park. To learn more and to book your vacation today, visit JellystonePark.com. That's JellystonePark.com. And please, don't forget to tell Yogi Bear that Jeremy and Stephanie said hello. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We are here with Gretchen from Boxy Colonial and Boxy Colonial on the Road. And we're talking about the Medora Campground, which she just reviewed for us. And now we're going to go into Theodore Roosevelt National Park. And Gretchen's going to tell us, you know, the highlights, what her family did, et cetera, et cetera. And then we'll also talk about the town of Medora a little bit and some of the really kind of wacky things you can do there. So, Gretchen, take us into the park. My first question, though, you made the comparison to Badlands National Park. Um. In Badlands National Park, you feel like you're in another planet or on another planet. Does this have that feeling of like, I'm on a totally different planet that is not the planet Earth? Or is it not that as strange and as unusual as Badlands National Park? No, I would say it's, I mean, pretty similar. Um, Again, you have a little more greenery there. And I mean, that might have just been the time of, I mean, who knows, maybe we just hit the Badlands at a different time of year. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's very similar. And it's, the same kind of vibe where you can kind of just go off the trail and climb on things and get, um, you know, up close and personal with the buttes. Um, so, but it's, I mean, it's the same, you know, the same kind of processes of erosion formed the landscape. Um, I guess the difference between mountains and buttes is that 
buttes, like everything started out the same level and then erosion carved out things so that, um, whereas mountains, you know, go up from, I'm not very good at talking about geology, but, um, but you know, they're not mountains, they're buttes and it's in that they don't care so much about you climbing all over them because they're eroding so fast, relatively speaking, that, um, there's nothing you can do to them that erosion isn't going to do anyway. So, um, right when you said so you weren't kind of good cool at talking about badlands. Right when you were saying you weren't good at talking about this, I was literally thinking, oh, she's doing a really good job talking about this. Uh, I think that was perfectly fine description. <laughs> yeah. And, and in Badlands National Park, it's the same thing. Like, there's no signs like don't climb here. I mean, they can, people literally right. just kind of, for lack of a better term, backcountry hike everywhere. People just kind of take off. And you got to be really careful doing that, actually. I'm not I'm not really advising. Right. I, I would actually say stay on the trails <laughs> of Badlands. That's that's my advice. But people kind of just take off there. Um, all right. So what do we want to do? You know, give us a breakdown of the park uh, and what do we want to do while we're there? Okay. So there's three units of the park. Um, and we, the, by far the most popular one is the South unit because that's the one that's right on the interstate. Um, and that's where Ma the city of Medora is. So that's where we were staying. So our first, we had two full days in the park and our first full day we went to the South unit. So the main thing to do there um, is there's a, a scenic drive. It used to be a loop drive, but part of it is closed, I guess, long term because of erosion. So what you do now is you drive 24 miles in and then you turn around and drive those same 24 miles back out. Um, and along the way, there's a lot of, they call them trails, but some of them, it would be very generous to even call them trails. They're very, most of them are very short. There are some longer hikes you can do, but um, for the most part, you're kind of stopping and then walking, you know, 0.2 miles or whatever to an overlook or, or something like that, and then coming back. Um, and that's mostly what we focused on because, again, it was very, very hot that day, too. So we were not minding that we weren't doing longer hikes. Um, so we, one of the first things we did on that scenic drive is stopped and see, to see some prairie dogs. That's very close to the beginning. And, again, you can just stand right on the side of the road, and they're just right there. Um, going in and out of their little holes and then there's we stopped at um, some other ones we liked skyline vista is one of the first ones you'll come to it's a trail that's 0.1 miles long and it's kind of you get this really beautiful overlook of um, the badlands but you also see the interstate down there so that's kind of interesting not something you get in every national park but you do kind of turn away from the interstate and not all of the views are are of i-94 um, the Boycourt Overlook was another one we enjoyed. I think that that is where we saw the wild horses off in the distance. So again, binoculars, definitely what you want. And then probably our favorite little hike that we did was Wind Canyon. That one's almost half a mile and it makes a loop and gives you an overlook of the Little Missouri River. So that was really pretty. I, um, love, th I love that you keep saying like to bring binoculars because that was so clutch for us in glacier yellowstone and badlands that we had four pairs i think and and leave them in your truck right i mean like have them right. in your vehicle and if you like i think one day we did bring one pair into glacier and I, the other were left at the rv and like everyone was like grabbing them from each other um that's a good thing to invest some money and get some decent binoculars so so i'm sorry yeah continue now with your sure. um that was yeah i mean that's pretty much it. I mean, again, it's, it's a lot of the same thing. You're driving and you're stopping and doing these little trails um, and doing the overlooks. 
Um, and that was sort of the difference. I'll talk about the North unit in a minute, but it was more the South unit. It was more of these overlooks looking out over these grand vistas. And then the North unit was more kind of up close and personal and looking at things from below. Um, but then also in the South unit, you have the visitor center. Uh, there's a very small visitor center in the North unit, but there's not much going on. But the one in the South unit is the main visitor center. It has a really nice gift shop. Um, a short movie about um, that focuses the, the movie and the museum focus on Theodore Roosevelt's time in the park and in this area. Um, and I think they do a really good job of integrating that. I kind of thought before we went, I sort of thought, well, it's just they just wanted an excuse to name a national park after Theodore Roosevelt. But he really did have a pretty deep connection to this area and spent a lot of time here, did ranching here. After his first wife died, he came here kind of to mourn. And they have, um, so they talk about that in the museum and they have right outside that visitor center, the cabin that he um, stayed in during some of his time in North Dakota. And we did a, we listened to a ranger talk about, about the cabin and about his history in the park. And you can go inside the cabin and that was pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it was like a really uh, sort of a key famous um, moment or period in his life. I, and I, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe his mother died on the same day that his, his wife mother died. died on the same day. Yeah, you'll hear that story. It's, it's a very, very sad story. But yeah, we I think we heard it about three times because it's um, because, you know, it did spur him to go back to North Dakota. So it's um, and you'll also you can't go very far without hearing someone quote him as saying uh, something like I never would have been president if it hadn't been for my time in North Dakota. They, they're very proud of that connection there. And again, I think they do a good job of not letting it sort of overtake the natural beauty of the area, but sort of integrating it and, and his relationship to the area uh, into the park in a way that, that works really well. North Dakota has this cool tourism campaign where they, they say, visit us last, like they encourage people to make that the, for, for people that are trying to go to all 50 states. They're saying, right. come to us last. And then you get like a t-shirt, a sticker, a photo op. They have some, they have some cool program. Um, and I, I guess like they figure a lot of people kind of do get there last that are, that are going to trying to go to all the States. And so they're making a thing of it, which is, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the presidential history with Theodore Roosevelt is substantial, right? I mean, like you said, it's not like they're just doing this, uh, to, you know, you know, to kind of draw people in. I mean, he had, he had real history here in this, this part of the country, right? Yeah, definitely. So anything else like, so anything else on the North unit? It, I mean, you started talking about the North unit, anything else there? Yeah, I'm, I, we were going back and forth about whether to go to the North unit because it is, thing to know about it, it's um, I think about 70 miles from the South unit. Um, so it's a hike to get there and it's not a very nice drive. It's oil fields on both sides of you and it's just, there's just nothing there. Um, and the day that we went, in contrast to our, you know, mid-90s day that was miserable in that way, it was very cold and rainy and really, really windy. Um, so this is another reason I was glad we didn't decide to bring the trailer up there, because, I mean, it was like steady 30-mile-an-hour winds all day, um, and I wouldn't have felt safe driving the trailer. I wasn't thrilled about driving our van up there, but we did it, and we made it. But um, everyone we talked to said, oh, you have to go up to the north unit. It's just totally different. And uh, we were very glad we did, because again, I think it was a more intimate experience. Um, and they have some really cool formations that you can't see in the South unit, like um, cannonball concretions, which are these things that look like cannonballs, but are made out of the rock. Um, and there was a lot more of that opportunity to kind of climb on some things. And yes, be very careful with kids, because there are places you could get into trouble. Um, 
but it was cool to see. And we had some of our best wildlife viewing there, a lot of bison. Um, it's less crowded, but again, nowhere was super crowded. Um, but it was it's definitely worth making that drive if you have the time. If I'm remembering correctly, are the cannonball formations also by the NPS campground, or am I inventing that in my mind? That's certainly possible. I think they we might be. I, mean, I didn't see the campground, so I'm that, not, I, mean, I don't have it in my head where it is. But that's definitely one of the highlights of this unit. I think, right? That's one of the you know, more yeah. photographed yeah, and, they, and, and talked there's about. There's where they don't really know how they formed, which is you know interesting. All right. So anything else on the, the North unit or the South unit? I mean, so you just did a day there, right? Like that was, it's, we, a, it's a day trip. For, that's what you'd recommend? For the North unit or we did a day in each unit. We had, okay. we were there two full days. So we did South unit and then we did North unit and then fit in stuff in town kind of, you know, in the evenings. Um, the Caprock Cooley trail is one that I would recommend in the North unit. And that's a little bit longer. It's not a 0.2 mile trail. It's uh, 1.6 miles out and back, and you can make a longer loop, but we did the, the, um, the shorter loop. And they have a, like a, a, what do you call it, a brochure that you can pick up at the beginning that'll tell you about the different formations as you see them and as you pass them. So that was a nice little trail. So not strenuous hiking. I mean, I'm sure you could get into some strenuous hiking, but you know, a lot of accessible stuff, you know, park the car, get out, look around, maybe for somebody that's ch challenged with mobility or something, there's, this might be a cool place because you can get a lot of these yeah, yeah. views and overlooks without going deep into the, the hiking. Right. I think you can get into more serious hiking. Um, I think there's some really long trails that go through the park and then, you know, miles past it. But um, yeah, it's definitely good for people with younger kids or um, people with mobility issues. There's a lot you can see without uh, doing strenuous hikes. Did you feel like two full days were enough? Like when it comes to Badlands National Park, we always tell people like two to three full days is plenty. You know, you don't need to stay longer. One full day is not enough. You know, did the two full days work for you? Do you, do you feel like you should have stayed longer? Um, not really. Uh, I mean, one more day, if we had had another day, we probably would have done more in town because there are some some little touristy things there that would have been fun that we didn't get to. But for seeing the park, if that's your your main thing that you want to see, I think a day for the North Unit, a day for the South Unit um, is plenty. Oh, I didn't mention the third unit. I mentioned there was a third unit, but didn't talk about it. It's the Elkhorn Ranch Unit, which is the actual land that Theodore Roosevelt um lived on and ranched. Uh, we did not go there because it's hard to get to. It's uh, like miles down a dirt road. And they say, you know, sometimes depending on the, the weather, the, you know, the conditions and when it's rained, you might need a four wheel drive vehicle to get there, which we do not have. Um, but, you know, if you wanted to go there, you would need another day or if you wanted to do more hardcore hiking. But, um, but for us, yeah, we felt like two days was good. Another day wouldn't have been bad. More than that, we would have felt like we were kind of staying longer than we needed to. And the crown of the continent was awaiting you, right? I mean, it's like when you're going Well, to, actually, this was glacier. after Glacier. Oh, that was right. I'm sorry. Yes. It was after yeah. Glacier. Uh, okay. So listen, we're going to come back in a second, and Gretchen's going to take us into the town of Madeira. Um, did I say that right? Madeira? Medora. Medora. And she's going to tell us about some of the cool, quirky things to do there. But before we do that, we have a sponsored message from our friends at Go RVing. 
GoRVing's website, GoRVing.com, is packed with all of the information you need to get started and go RVing. Check out GoRVing's Get Started tab to find information from real RVers about buying an RV, renting an RV, finding a campground, and a comprehensive first-timers toolkit. The Buying an RV section includes a complete guide to buying a new RV and tips for visiting national parks. The Renting an RV section explores your options for trying before buying. The Finding a Campground section lets you search for campgrounds by state. The First Timers Toolkit is a robust set of blog posts and how-to videos that will turn you into an expert RVer in no time at all. GoRVing's Get Started tab is packed with the content you need to become a more experienced RVer and have fun doing it. And this is just a small sample of the content you will find there. To find out more, head on over to GoRVing. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We are here with Gretchen Holcomb from Boxy Colonial and Boxy Colonial on the road. Take us into town. What do we want to do in Madeira? Medora. Medora. Okay. During the break there, I mispronounced it five times. The first half of the show, you were saying it right the whole time. So. Oh, that's that's everything's declining, Gretchen. That's that's how that's how it works. Um, so the, the big thing, the big spectacle in town is the Medora musical. Um, I had been looking forward to this for months, mostly cause I just wanted to find out what it was all about. Um, because, you know, again, it's this tiny little town with, you know, maybe a hundred full-time residents and how are they doing this giant musical that looks, um, spectacular. Um, so we found out, uh, we went there our first night. We actually got there. We rushed there so that we could go on the Sunday night because kids are free on Sunday. And I think Wednesday nights, um, and it's kids up to 17, which was nice because we had our 16 year old and our nine year old. Um, so one thing to know is it is an expensive evening. The tickets are priced like it's a full musical. And so it's like 50 to $70 for the adult tickets, I think. Um, but I would say if you have not done it, it's worth it. You need to see the Medora musical if you are in this area. Um, it's very professional, very elaborate. They bring in people, um, you know, I think they're probably college kids who are doing musical theater programs or whatever um, from all over the country. I think there was one person who was there from Mexico. So um, I think that it's a big, you know, a big known thing to come and do a summer in Medora and do this musical. So I wrote down, they describe it as an ode to patriotism, Theodore Roosevelt, and the great American West. And it's, um, it's, it, it's, it's hard to describe, but um, it's big musical numbers and dancing, and it tells the story of Medora and of Theodore Roosevelt's time in Medora with a very healthy dose of uh, patriotism. There are horses doing amazing things. Um, we. It, it doesn't take itself super seriously, which we appreciated. It's fairly campy, but then I've also seen people, I've watched like people see this on, on, in their YouTube videos and like tear up about the sort of patriotic aspects of it. So I think there's something for everyone for the cynical and the less cynical. Um, but and, yeah, we and, really and which are it. you and which are you by the way? Well, you know, at the beginning, I was the cynical, but they won me over by the end when the horses with the flag started going. Um, no, I mean, it's, you know, it's um, Theodore Roosevelt's a pretty non-controversial historical figure. So they have a good thing to work with there to kind of bring everyone together. But um, um, I mean, yeah, the key, and we all the key, enjoyed it. It was. 
the key thing you're saying here is you're like, you should go. I mean, you, you're recommending this. Like, I see that you're like, I mean, I totally get it because this is what the rodeo was like in Cody, Wyoming. I mean, it's a, it is a patriotic spectacle. And I'm a patriotic guy. I mean, I, I love our country. But, but it's just like, it's a lot. You know, that's what the Cody Rodeo is like. And this also strikes me as being like really sort of grand and overboard. And that's part of the point, right? Yeah, no, definitely. And they do, they have a section in the middle where they kind of make fun of themselves, like the history of the musical, how they had, this guy had this idea to to do a, a musical in this, I don't remember how many seats there are, but there are a lot of seats um, in this town with a hundred people. What a great, you know, and they make fun of themselves for that. And yet they draw in these people. I mean, it wasn't full on the Sunday night that we were there, but there were a lot of people there. So people come and see it. It worked, this grand vision of this giant musical in this tiny town. I'm smiling the whole time because I'm picturing like the founding mothers and the founding fathers being like, well, we need to get tourism up here, you know, and then somebody had the light bulb, a musical. Let's do a musical. I mean, look, you can get people to anywhere in America if you have a national park and a musical. Okay. That's right. all you need. You need nothing else. That's right. Anything else uh, to do in town or anything else you guys did? I know you were, you were in and out quickly. Any other things you can't miss or is it really just the musical that you can't miss? <laughs> Well, the musical you definitely don't want to miss. Um, I should mention there is right next to the musical, we ate before the musical at the Pitchfork Fondue restaurant, which is this open air restaurant that's exactly what it sounds like. They they put a whole bunch of steaks on a pitchfork and dip them in boiling oil and then serve them to you. And that one, I would say, if you're going to miss either the Pitchfork Fondue or the musical, you can skip the Pitchfork Fondue. It's um, It was fun to do once, but... Uh, for one thing, everybody gets a well-done steak because that's just how they cook them. So it's not like this great steak and uh, it's more about the experience. Also, not good for vegetarians at all. My um, then 16-year-old's a vegetarian and they're like, oh, you could just get the sides. But the sides were like, you know, corn and then like beans that wings. had pork in them, you know? Right, yeah. right. So, um, yeah. So that one is skippable, but it's, you know, if you want to go, it's a fun experience. They have live music there. Um, the other big thing we did in town was we saw a Theodore Roosevelt. They don't call him, uh, an impersonator. They call him a repriser. And it is a guy, his name is, I think, Joe Weigand. And he's very impressive. He becomes Theodore Roosevelt and it, they have a little theater in town where you go in and he basically just tells you stories as if he's Theodore Roosevelt. But before he gets to his stories, he um, goes through the audience and like asks everyone where they're from. And then for every state someone's from, he'll have a story at the ready in his head about what Theodore Roosevelt did in that state. So that was um, an impressive experience. And we were surprised. Even my nine-year-old stayed enchanted the whole time and did not get bored, even though it was, again, sort of long rambling stories that Theodore Roosevelt was telling him. So... I that guess was there was, he, he did so much conservation in so many states, like that could probably be the story for, for a whole bunch of them. Wow. Now, is this, I mean, you know, is this a can't miss thing, even if you're among the cynical? The, um, I, we enjoyed it. If you have, I actually, we kind of rushed back from the North unit to see this. Cause I, for some reason was really excited to see it. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's if you're a kind of a history buff, then it's definitely a great experience for you. Um, if you're not, then, you know, I don't know. It depends on your tolerance or love of long rambling stories told by 
someone impersonating a former president, I guess. I enjoyed it. And all of us enjoyed it. That's all I can say. I have two more questions for you. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. So like we did, I just keep coming back to Badlands. Like I feel like our, my family, like we did Badlands. We did all the hikes. We, we went to wall drug. Like I don't, and I loved it. I'll recommend Badlands to anybody. I loved Badlands National Park. I don't feel any need to go back. Where I want to go back to Glacier Badly. I want to go back to Yellowstone Gladly. I want to go back, uh, back to Acadia. I want to go back to so many places. And this is not a knock on Badlands. I just feel like it was a one-time thing. And my life is, my time on this planet is limited. Do you have, feel any desire, like any need to do a return trip to Theodore Roosevelt National Park? Or does it fall into that category of a place you can go to once in your life and really feel like you experience the essence of it. Yeah, I would, I would say that. Although I, I had probably, I'd probably go back to Badlands before theater as well. We really, really love the Badlands, but um, yeah, if, if I were passing through again in the same context, I would try to make like a day to stop over. I wouldn't want to rush through and not see it if I were there, but I don't feel like I'm going to plan a trip around it. I mean, which we kind of did for this. Like we could have, gotten home sooner or whatever, you know, we didn't have to stop here and we made an effort to, I think that I would make an effort to stop again if it were on the way, if that makes sense. Like I, I, I don't feel like I would just be like, Oh, whatever. I don't need to see this again. I would enjoy seeing it again, but I wouldn't go out of my way the same way I would for some of for glacier or for Yellowstone or for whatever. That, that would, I would say the same thing about all points in South Dakota. Like if I'm driving out there, I'm making time to revisit things I loved but I'm not going to make another trip that's specifically to South Dakota. So uh, thank you so much. That was really terrific. I mean, if anybody's you know planning the trip to Theodore Roosevelt National Park, I'm sure this will help you. If, if anyone is going there this summer, please uh, send me an email. Let me know. I'm sure this podcast will be helpful. So Gretchen, what is your big family RV trip this summer? Because um, there's been an epic trip just about every summer. Yes, this is one we've been trying to plan for years and for assorted reasons hasn't happened, but we are planning to go to Newfoundland, Canada this summer. We should be there about five weeks and we're very, very excited about it. Are you going to do a lot of time in Nova Scotia along the way? Are you really kind of dedicating your time to getting out there? To to Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a long haul um, followed by a seven hour ferry ride. And we did Nova Scotia. We spent about three weeks in Nova Scotia a few years ago. So this one will be sort of just racing through to get to the ferry. Actually, my son is doing a music program in Lunenburg in Nova Scotia for two weeks, like, and then is going to meet us in Newfoundland. So he'll be spending a lot of time in Nova Scotia, but we're um, going to sadly have to just rush through. Yeah. Well, I really do hope um, that you come on the podcast and we, we do um, do some kind of episode on that trip. That sounds awesome. So thank you so much for yeah, coming back on you. the RV Atlas. Definitely. Thank you, Gretchen. And where can everybody follow you? Because you do, you do a great job of taking awesome photos on these trips as well. So where can everybody follow you on social media and, and your websites? Yeah. Um, now I'm blanking out. Oh, I'm on Instagram, Boxy Colonial on the road. And that's also the blog, boxycolonialontheroad.com and on Facebook, but I don't post much on Facebook. So yeah, mostly Instagram and the blog. All right. Well, thank you so much. We'll see you at the campground, Gretchen. Thanks. Have a great day. Say hello to the whole crew. Okay. Thank you. I will. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the RV Atlas. 
To find out more about the topics discussed on this show, head on over to thervatlas.com. And to join the friendliest group of RVers, head on over to the RV Atlas group on Facebook and make sure to join us on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram at the RV Atlas. If you enjoy our show, please consider leaving us a review over on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And we will see you at the campground. See you at the campground.